a certain man at Leicester, impotent on his feet, is a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. They called Barnabas Jupiter. They called Paul Mercurius because of the chief speaker. Here came the priest of Jupiter, and he brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice unto Paul and Barnabas with the people. When the apostles heard it, they rent their clothes and ran in among them, crying out, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea, and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. There came hither Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing it been dead. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we continue on with Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey, we now travel on to the city of Lystra. As Dr. Mitchell points out from the scripture, the people of Lystra were idolaters, worshiping the mythical Greek gods of Zeus and Hermes. And being so superstitious when they saw the power of God through Paul healing the lame man, they thought that these two men were gods themselves. While Paul and Barnabas, tearing their garments, running out among them, shouted out loud, they were not gods, they're just ordinary men like them. And here Dr. Mitchell brings out the truth in Romans chapter 1, how men and women do worship the creature rather than the creator. He also will speak of the age of grace and the dispensation of grace, and what that means to you and me today. Well, let's listen to Dr. Mitchell here in Acts chapter 14, verse 8, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Good day, friends. We again come to you, 
And as many of you know, most of you know at least, we are studying the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 14. Uh, How the time goes by, doesn't it? And here we're in the 14th chapter of Acts, where the Apostle Paul with Barnabas are in their first missionary journey. And we come down to the fact that the Apostle Paul has just healed a man who was born a cripple. In chapter 13, we had his first message uh, of his ministry uh, to the Gentiles. And then when we come to chapter 14, he went on to Iconium. And when he heard they were going to stone him to death, he and Barnabas left there and went down to Lystra and to another place called Derby. And when he came down to Lystra, he was a man who was born, born lame and uh, never walked. <clears throat> and the Lord used Paul to heal this man which, of course, caused quite a stir in the place. And I read in verse 12 that they were going to worship Paul and Barnabas. They called Barnabas Jupiter, and they called Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. By the way, uh, there was a fable at Lystra which said that Jupiter and Mercury, uh, Mercurius had, had visited their city, and they made a great deal about it. So this is why they worshipped them. And notice how Paul, how Paul stops the whole business. Here came the priest of Jupiter, and he brought oxen and garlands unto the gate, and would have done sacrifice unto Paul and Barnabas with the people. When the apostles heard it, they rent their clothes and ran in among them, crying out. Now listen to what they said. Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea, and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Now mark Paul's answer. He met them, may I say, first of all, he met them on their own ground. Now these were idolaters. These were pagans. And he had left the synagogue, and you remember he had preached the gospel, and then this man was healed. And Paul's answer was, first of all, we're men of like passions. We are not gods. There's no room for idolatry. That you should, in fact, he said, we preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities. He's talking about their worship of idols, worshiping uh, Mercurius and Jupiter, so on. And they were responsible to worship the God who made them. They had the light of creation. As Paulia says, God left not himself without witness. He never did that. And nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. You should have worshipped not Jupiter, not Mercurius, not any idol. You should be worshipping the God who made you. My friend, there is no room for idolatry. God has always had a witness, even the light of creation. You remember in the 19th Psalm, we read, 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge, and there is no place where their voice, the voice of creation, is not heard. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, 18 to 20, we have the same thing, that men held down the truth in unrighteousness, and they've got no excuse for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. You find the same thing in the book of Acts, chapter 17, 24 to 30, when the apostle Paul went down to Athens and met these uh, philosophical Athenians. He charged them with the fact that they were not worshipping the God who made them. There's no excuse for men, my friend, not knowing God. Even where the gospel has not gone, men are responsible to worship God who made them. Don't you remember in Romans 2, 4, where Paul says, not knowing that the goodness of God should lead thee to repentance, verses 4 and 5 of Romans 2. In fact, Paul says, you, and first of all, you knew God. You glorified him not as God. You became unthankful. You became vain in your imaginations, and your foolish heart was darkened, and professing yourself to be wise, you became a fool. You changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image, like the man, the bird, the quadrupeds, creeping things. I'm quoting all the way down to verse 23 of Romans chapter 1. You see, what is the responsibility of the heathen who have never had the chance of hearing the gospel of Christ? Their responsibility, my friend, is to worship the God who made them. You see, all of us, allow me to say this, all of us are in what we call the age of grace. That is, all of us are living today in this age of grace where God has revealed himself. But everyone is not living under the dispensation of grace. Now, the dispensation is a responsibility. An age is a period of time. We're all living from the death and resurrection of our Christ until our Lord returns. This is called the age of grace. It's a period of time in the revelation of the grace of God to men. But there are those in the world who are not who though they are living in the age of grace, are not under the dispensation of grace. A dispensation is a responsibility. And God being righteous certainly is not going to hold people responsible for what they've never had a chance to hear. God is righteous. But they are responsible to worship the God who made them. The tragedy is they don't do that. They don't do that. You take the question of the heathen, that is, the people in some parts of the world who've never had the opportunity of hearing the gospel, hearing about his wonderful son. God can't expect them to believe in whom they have not heard, as Romans chapter 10 declares. I tell you, my friend, that doesn't free you and me from going to them with the gospel for the simple reason they're not worshipping the living God. 
They've spurned the revelation of the God of creation. They've made idols with their own hands. They worship evil spirit. Uh, They worship nature instead of the person of God. Now, how glad I am today, and allow me to say this, how glad I am today for the radio. There's hardly a place now in the world where you can't get a radio. Now, you have radios all over the world today. And how glad I am, too, for the gospel being broadcasted all over the world through various different groups. I'm glad for this opportunity that I have uh, up and down the Pacific coast of, of teaching the Word of God and giving forth the gospel of His wonderful grace. Here we get into homes that otherwise could not be reached. People will listen to the radio, this mass media of communication. And by the way, I'm so glad that so many of you write us and help us in this matter by prayer and by gift to reach our generation. For I tell you, my friend, there's not much time left to us to do this. And when I think of this Paul Paul and Barnabas down here at Lystra, uh, they were going to be worshipped as the gods, Jupiter and Mercurius. And Paul turns around and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. God has not left himself without witness. He has sent you uh, rain from heaven. He's given you fruitful seasons. He's filled your hearts with food and with gladness. Why don't you worship him? Why don't you worship him? And we've come to give you further light, even the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring you to him. I, I like the way Paul does this. I like the way Paul does this. See, now if, you go, if I were teaching Romans chapter 1, uh, I would point this out, that God gave men up because they worshipped idols. They changed the glory of God into an image. God gave them up to vile affections. First of all, to one cleanness then to vile affections, then because they refused to have God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's the history of man, by the way. That's the history of man. They've spurned the revelation of God. Even today, when we pronounce the gospel of Christ and proclaim it, that this wonderful Savior came to put away sin, men do not want to hear anything about it. Men would rather not hear. They would, as Peter says, they're willingly ignorant. They don't want to know. They don't want to hear. And how often we've been told to shut up. But we're not going to shut up if we have the opportunity of witnessing for our precious Savior. Now notice the result in verses 19, 20, and so on. And there came hither Jews from Antioch and Iconium, that is Antioch and Pisidia, I take it, and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing it being dead. Albeit as the disciples stood round about him, he arose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples, and so on. Let me just stop here for a moment before I finish that part of, the, of this division. You notice in 19 and 20, they stoned, they picked up stones to stone Paul, but they drew him out of the city. They thought he was dead. Here you have them worshiping, wanting to worship Paul one minute, 
and then they turn round and stone him the neck. And this is the fickle crowd. Always the fickle crowd. They don't know why they do. They, they work according to their emotions. There's no sense to it. There's no reason to it. Same thing with our Saviour, you remember. As our Lord was going to Jerusalem to be crucified, they cried out, Hosanna to the highest! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! And what do you find a couple of three days afterwards? What shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ, says Herod, says Pilate? Take him out and crucify him. And I'm sure some of the same crowd were there. People just go with the crowd, they don't know why. You take chapter 19 of, of Acts, you have the same thing. Uh, they're going to stone and kill some of God's people. They don't know why. They just go along with the crowd. They get stirred up, or mostly stirred up. They don't know what they're doing. And here they're going to, and they stoned, stoned Paul. Well, you notice, in chapter 13, verse 50, they kicked them out of their borders. They kicked them out of the city. In verse, in verse 5 of chapter, of chapter 14, they heard that the Jews and the Gentiles were going to use them despitefully and were going to stone them. When they heard that, they went down to Lystra and Derby. Now at Lystra, they're stoned. They're delivered in Antioch, cast out. They're wanted Iconium. Now he's left for dead at Lystra. Tell me, why didn't God deliver him? Why didn't God deliver him? You see, sometimes we get a wrong picture of things. Can I just stop here for a moment? Why did God permit Paul to go to jail, to be chained in a prison in Rome with the whole Gentile world needing the gospel and here the great missionary of the word of God is in jail? He did more. He did more in jail than he did when he was out of jail. If he had not been in jail, we may not have had Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I tell you, my friend, you can just trust God to do the right thing. Did you hear me? Things don't happen out of his hand. He knows exactly, exactly what he wants. They were kicked out of, out of Antioch of Pisidia. They were warned down there in Iconium. He stoned at Lystra. Had God left them? Oh, no, oh, no. God is always with his people. He had said to Moses, My presence is with thee, and I'll give you rest. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. When we come to chapter 16, we have the same thing. Paul and Silas in jail, and they, and they sing the praises of God. Ah, the, the recognition, or shall I change the word, the experience of having our precious Savior with you every minute of the day. Even when you fail him, even when you're indifferent to him, he's still with you. He's still with you. He's still with you. He's still with you. The Lord doesn't leave you. You, you may turn your back on him and go your own way, but he never leaves you. Because, because the moment's going to come when you, go, when you need him. And he's there to meet your need and pull you back where you belong. Sometimes he may have to 
He may have to chasten you. He may have to discipline you, but he never leaves you. He never leaves you. Even when they were throwing stones on this man's Paul, his blessed apostle Paul, Jesus was there watching them stone him. But he was also the one who restored him to life. My friend, I don't know what your circumstances are, but I do know that the Lord Jesus is with you and will never leave you, never forsake you. Why should we turn our back on such a Savior? Why should we Christians ignore his fellowship? Why should we be indifferent to the yearning of his own heart? He wants you. He wants your fellowship. That's the most important thing. That which gives him great joy, your fellowship, your need of him, your walk with him, the enjoyment of him, praising and magnifying him. When you get occupied with yourself, then you get yourself into the jam. Now, let me just say one more thing. The greatest peril here is not being stoned. The greatest peril is being worshipped by man. You know, they wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. Did our Lord say something about it's bad when all men speak well of you? You know, Satan is very, very subtle. In the preceding chapter, he was chased out of a city. And then they were threatened with death. Now they were stoned. God raised him from the dead. But I say the, the subtlety of Satan, if he can't get you by persecution, if he can't get you by violence, he'll compromise, he'll swing things your way. And what did they do? They worshipped. They wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. They wanted to make Paul and Barnabas the center, center of their worship. I tell you, my friend, it's a terrible, terrible thing. I remember one time in my early days as a minister of the Word of God, a dear old saint said to me, he said, there are three things that cause Christian Christian leaders and Christian servants to fail God. And he mentioned three things, money, women, pride. And then he added, look out for that last one, pride. Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy to become self-centered. You, For example, you have a little class in your Sunday school, and you start with two or three and behold, first thing you know, it's grown and grown and grown. You've got 20, 25, maybe 30. And the other classes around you haven't grown at all. You stick your head up and you get proud. The next thing you know, the kids drop out. Why? Because, because you're attracting them to yourself instead of to the Savior. What I'm trying to do is to warn you, always make the Lord Jesus Christ the center of of attraction. And I say here, the great, the greatest peril was not being stoned. The greatest peril was being worshipped. I'm reminded of Abraham in the book of Genesis chapter 14. The great peril, the great peril with Abraham was not defeating the great armies of Amraphel and Kedioleoma. That he could see 
and he fought them and had victory and brought Lot back. But that was followed by a subtle thing, by a subtle thing, when the king of Sodom said, Give me my people and you take all the goods. You give me my people and you take all the goods. And I, I like Abraham when he said, I have found that my God owns everything and I'm not going to take from you even a shoelace, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. I'm not going to have you rob God of his glory. Oh, that you and I as God's people might realize not outward persecution, that drives you to the Savior. It's these subtle, insidious things that make you occupied with yourself. What caused Eve to sin? Occupied with Eve. Going to be like God. Here's Paul and Barnabas. Going to be worshipped as gods. Refused it. Turned it down. I tell you, my friend, it's wonderful when a person walks in fellowship with God. This is the path of safety, the path of joy, path of peace, and can I add the path of, the path of usefulness. Now, they, when you go on down through the chapter, you have where they, they finished their journey and went back to Antioch, and they, they rehearsed all, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and through them. Now, we'll take the next chapter in our next session, and the Lord bless you today. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary, life begins at Calvary.